Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here we go, 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 this is it! This is Top Flight Time Machine, I'm Andy Dawson. I am Sam Delaney. And this is episode, f- God knows what, of the Keegan Odyssey, Kevin Keegan's book, My yeah. Life as an Electric Mouse. Yeah. Um, And we are... Kevin Keegan to Electric Boogaloo. That's the I, one. That's what it's called in Germany. That's the new one. That's his oh yeah, it's a now. sequel. Yeah, he's doing that now. He's Kevin Keegan to Electric Boogaloo. And in this one, what happens is some evil property developers try to take over the uh, local community centre to turn it into offices. So <laughs> I start a dance contest to raise funds. These guys are like, what are you talking about, Kevin? None of this really happened. We're not going to let the boring old stuffed suits and stuffed shirts take over our community centre and, <laughs> and turn it into some kind of horrible business. Yeah. Get Terry Mack. Mark Lawrenson, right, <laughs> and Andy Cole down here. Get we're, them dancing. And we're going to d- do a, a special breakdance routine, <laughs> and somehow that will discourage them from knocking down our centre. <laughs> and we'll probably discover some evil plan they've had as well while we're about it. <laughs> That'll send them off with their tails between their legs. What are we on about here? <laughs> I don't know. Start again. <laughs> uh, the last episode, uh, Tommy Smith had just done a power play on... Kev with the, the boot deal, but had only got 1,500 quid where Kev had been offered 3,000 to wear white boots. Um, and then he, he cuts to Bill Shankly's funeral because Shankly had just left Liverpool and um, 1981, I think, he died. So he's, he's leaping forward through time at this point. Mm. Um, so Shankly had died. Several of his old stalwarts were invited to be pallbearers. It was an honour to be alongside Ron Yates, Emlyn Hughes, John Toshak, Ian St. John, and Tommy Smith. Tommy Smith. Oh, comes. Tommy Smith. So they were all carrying Bill Shankly's coffee. Bill Shankly's coffee. His coffee. His coffee. <laughs> he used to. What we did. He loved. He loved the coffee. So and alongside the coffin, I walked and I had the job of holding his favourite mug with a cup of Nescafe in it. Two sugars, just like he liked. <laughs> I bet fucking Tommy Smith was giving Keegan. Little digs or comments. Probably kicking the back of his heels. Yeah. Keegan will have been at the front. Smith will have been behind him in the middle. Look kicking at you, him. Keegan, kicking him with his white boots cunt. on. You still think you're it, don't you, Keegan? But you're nothing. Remember that. I see you, you've got one of the corners. You've yeah. got one of the corners of the coffin, have you? This reminds you me of when you, you used to try and get your breakfast before the senior lads. Remember, <laughs> Keegan, you're still the shit on my shoe. <laughs> All right, Tommy. You don't have to be like that at Bill's funeral, you know. <laughs> so he says Tommy Smith was still uh, uh, all doing our best Shanks impressions through teary laughter in the front room of his house. And I just wish I had never lost the silver medallion my old boss gave me in the shape of a number 13 after he'd retired. Have this, son. Have this, son. I don't know what the fuck it is. It's a number 13. <laughs> I'm lucky well to it. some. I was going to chuck it in the bin. <laughs> I'm lucky to some. I'm lucky to me. 
maybe unlucky to you. Take it or leave it. I couldn't give a fuck. Do I care? <laughs> <laughs> it's a piece of shite. Take it down that fucking junk shop you hang around then. <laughs> He's, Kevin says it wasn't my number, but it still meant an awful lot to me that he felt I should have it. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> He told me he told me a woman in Prague had given it to him. <laughs> and and then she had said if he wore it every day he would never die. <laughs> Here, Kev, I'm sick of living. Have this. Some woman in Prague says if I stop wearing this, I'm gonna die. Kevin, you're a man who I hope will never ever die. You've got too much to give the human race. <laughs> yeah, take Better this you in- live forever than me. Take this enchanted medallion. I picked up from a gypsy woman in Prague. It will give you invincibility. It's like something from Harry Potter. Fucking hell. But then he lost it, didn't he? Yeah. First time it went missing, he says, I don't think I scored for eight games. Eventually it turned up again. That's curious. How's it turned up? Where's it gone? Um, and I wore it for two years before a game against Derby when it came loose again and was trodden into the mud of the baseball ground pitch. Trotten. Perhaps it's still there. Whatever, whatever the baseball well, ground is now. Pro- I, gone, s- isn't I it? assume it's probably. What are they usually? It's usually a precinct with like a KFC in, and a Halfords. Weirdly, oh, he, earlier yeah, he talks in the book, about he, it, doesn't he? Tells he? us what they've turned into when they've been yeah. knocked down all grounds. Didn't he drive before. around them all? Yeah. Or did we make that up? I th- no, I think he went down and looked at he'd, some. He'd he went, went down to, to look at all of the grounds he'd scored at and what they were now. Yeah, yeah. like the Goldstone ground, Brighton, I think, is being Q now. And he'd Weird. gone down and had a look. Or he'd been on Google Maps. I don't know. <laughs> um, he'd have gone, wouldn't he? He wouldn't have done it on Google Maps. He'd have actually gone. Google what? I'll get in the car and do it the old-fashioned way. In fact, <laughs> I might jog there. That'll be my next project. I'm going to jog between every ground I ever scored at that's no longer a ground. Are you doing that for charity, Kevin? Charity? What are you talking about? <laughs> it's just a bit of fun. Come on, lighten up. <laughs> I wear another medallion now in the shape of a number seven. Oh. Fuck you, Shanks. <laughs> but for Shanks to give me a personal gift and me to lose it, it was very upsetting. I do, however, still have the commemorative sword. Commemorative sword? <laughs> Fucking From hell. when I won my second European footballer of the year in 1979. Oh, so he won yeah. the first one and he did... Who did he do a speech about? It was Fred, Fred Leatherland or something, wasn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Who fucked him off when he was younger. Fuck you. So now, when I went up again, they gave me a sword. And I said then as well... <laughs> Fred Leatherland, if you're still listening, this has got your fucking name I'm written on it. I'm now, Fred Leatherland. <laughs> oh, bitter, bitter hair, Keegan, not again. Please. You ruined <laughs> last year's ceremony, and now this again? We gave you the sword to try and appease you. <laughs> we had a conversation. You said you were not going to threaten Mr. Leatherland. Her <laughs> Leatherland's lawyers have been in touch. <laughs> you gave me a fucking sword. What was I supposed to think? <laughs> Other than the... Fantasise about slicing his fucking stupid head off. <laughs> uh, Hamburg gave me permission to fly to London for a presentation arranged by Wilkinson, the razor blade company. Shanks had travelled down to surprise me. <laughs> surprise! <laughs> oh, hell's oh, bells. Oh, Kevin. Oh, heck. Oh, oh heck. <laughs> Bill's here. He turns up everywhere these days. Oh, Shanks is here and he's got a sword. Is this because I lost his, his medallion? Have you got the enchanted medallion? <laughs> uh, yeah, of course I've got it, Mr. Shankly. <laughs> well, where is it then? Oh, it's in the oh. car. <laughs> Why? You're supposed to carry it with you at all times. 
Give me that sword, am Keegan. I gonna, am I going to die now, Shanks? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this reminds me of Sleeping Beauty. When, you, when I get to 16, I prick my finger on a spinning wheel and die. <laughs> Oh god, another podcast descends into an analysis of Disney cartoons. <laughs> and that's where we're headed. Uh, Shanks had travelled out to surprise me, and when I took the sword from him, I passed it straight back. Please, I said, take Have it. it. <laughs> I don't fucking want it. I could get all sorts of bother with this, especially if Fred Leatherland turns up. Take it, he says. Without you, I would never have been in a position for anything like this. It was the first time I have ever seen Shanks look emotional. Hey, whatever. <laughs> I'll take yeah. it. His instinctive reaction was to try and hand it back again. Oh, God, the re- I don't the- want it, son. <laughs> At my age, I've got no use for a sword. <laughs> the wrestling over a sword. No, I insist you have it, Mr. Shetley. <laughs> I tell you, I don't want a sword. What am I going to fucking do with that? The wife won't have it in the house. <laughs> Jeanette will lose her fucking mind when she sees this. <laughs> it's yours, please take it, I insisted. He paused for a few moments, looked down at the case in his hand, then replied quietly, When I die... <laughs> I'll make sure you get it back, son. <laughs> Why? Shanklin, fucking hell. Incredible. Do you know what? That's a really good thing to start saying to anyone who ever gives you a gift. <laughs> yeah. Like anyone. So on your yeah. birthday, someone gives you like, well, I don't know what someone would give you on Rubik's your birthday. Cube. A Rubik's Cube. Say if your son yeah. gives you a Rubik's Cube for your birthday. Yeah. You've got to see it in the say to, voice, Say, though. open it, look at him, put one hand on his shoulder, look him in the eye and say to him, <laughs> When I die, I'll make sure you get this back. <laughs> He'll be like, Dad, what are you fucking talking Dad, about? Dad's going to die. Are you dying? No, but I will die one day. We all die, son. <laughs> my dad said that to me. When my mum had cancer about 12 years ago or something, 11 years ago, um, when she finally she got, she had an operation and they cut out of that and she had to deal clear. And obviously it had been a stressful period for me and all of my siblings. And we were, you felt so relieved and happy, yeah. you know, that it was all over with. And I remember being on my way back from the hospital home, feeling as light as a feather. Mm-hmm. And I decided... One of those, that's living all right moments. It was. I was basically strutting along singing, that's living all right. Yeah. And I decided to uh, call call my dad, who, you know, wasn't with my mum, but they're still, they're still mates, you know. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I wonder if anyone's told my old man, because he'll be happy. Mm-hmm. So I called him. And I said something like, well, I'm my dad's a bit like Mr. Logic. He'll be like really, he'll, he's so unemotional. Right. He'll kind of, if you try let's to not, express. Let's not forget this is the man who defended himself in a court of law. Over a stolen ladder. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> an allegedly stolen ladder. It was never proved, by the way. I mean, dismissed. Not that I'm that doubting my dad's word, but all I'm saying is no one knows where that ladder is. But... I said, yeah, it's really great. She's been giving the all clear. The operation was successful. And he went, right. And I went, I'm just so relieved. I'm just so happy. And he went, what? What do you mean? And when I'm relieved. He went, in what way? What do you mean? And I went, well, I'm fucking relieved that my mum's not going to die. <laughs> and then he went, hmm. He went, that's a strange attitude to have. Because guess what? She is going to die one day, and so am I. So you better start getting your head round it. <laughs> Talk about fucking buzzkill. Pissing on your parade. I know. I was fucking ecstatic <sighs> for all of five minutes yeah. after, like, three months of, like, mental anguish. Yeah. Right, thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen? And then finally, the weight's off your shoulders, and then just as you're starting to celebrate, he's going... 
bad luck, dickhead. Yeah. She will die one day, and so will I, and so will every other cunt, including you. Anyway, ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Dad. Enjoy your party. <laughs> you fucking idiot. You're living a lie. You deluded fool. She could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Any of us could. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a delicious irony as she was leaving the hospital? She gets fucking mown down by a bus. <laughs> Cheers, Dad. It's always good to hear from you. All the best. God bless. <laughs> TTFN. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, that was what Shane Clean <laughs> when I die. When I die, I'll make sure uh, I'll you make get sure it. this goes back to you. No, you didn't bother because <laughs> there's not much room left in, in the loft for that sort of thing. So even once you're dead, it's best you just, I don't know, leave it to one of your grandchildren. Have it melted down or something. <laughs> It's dangerous. Uh, a week after his funeral, his widow Nessie called me to say she had the sword and the bullet told her when he passed away oh, he wanted God. me to have it back. Oh, heck. I've got a sword. I was what worried was I this I was worried this was going to happen. I hoped he'd forgotten. The bastard tipped her off. How could he have remembered I've on his deathbed? The last words. <laughs> Make sure that sword goes back to double K. <laughs> <laughs> I've been having recurring dreams about us lowering the coffin into the ground, <laughs> the lid coming open, and dead Bill Shankly handing up the sword to me. Like fucking King Arthur. Oh. <laughs> what am I going to do with this? <laughs> dead man's sword. <laughs> Kevin Keegan and the dead man's sword. Yeah, Kev. Go across Europe and avenge my enemies. <laughs> The players of Borussia Mönchengladbach. <laughs> the players of Saint Etienne. <laughs> Kill them all. <laughs> one by one. Slay them like dragons. <laughs> and then bury the sword in my grave. <laughs> oh, I suppose that better. <laughs> <laughs> Can I do it during the close season? But I haven't got much on. Other than a few commercial obligations I've agreed to. Some of them might be on the continent anyway, so it could work out. Oh, God. So then uh, Bob Bob Paisley took over from Bill Shankly after Shankly retired suddenly. And Kev says, Bob had been Shanks' right-hand man and also doubled up as the club's physiotherapist, even though he wasn't actually qualified medically. <laughs> Different times. Different times. Of course, what if you had a bag yeah. and I've had a damp sponge in it, he's, and he's, that'll be it. He's smoking a fag. Yeah. Let's have a look at that then, son. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I've got some wick chasel in here somewhere. <laughs> Maybe that'll see to it. <laughs> I've got a poultice that I made up at home this morning. It's made from ready brick, and it's made some from, from some goat's milk. Which I milked an actual goat this morning as well. And I put it in one of the the wife's tea towels, like. So you just have to sponge it on yourself. Come on, get that portless in your open wound. (laughs) Put some hydrochloric acid in it as well. (laughs) Forgot to mention that. Ah! (laughs) So, um, yeah, Bob Paisley, physiotherapist, no medical qualifications. It took a long time before it felt natural to call him boss. And in his previous role, we used to refer to him as the rat because of the way he liked to regale us with his exploits as a desert rat during the war. Mm. Bob was a hard taskmaster and Shanks used him as his hatchet man if something had gone wrong or someone needed disciplining. I, that's weird. I didn't ever saw Bob Paisley as being a 
kind of a hatchet man. He always came across as an amiable, slightly befuddled. Yeah, um, but of course he's the figure. most successful. Is he in fact the most successful manager? In British football history, he certainly more than Ferguson. Was. He certainly was, yeah. Because they would have won. I think he must have won more European Cups I, than Ferguson. Ferguson won, won two, they right? Won 77, 78, so, 81. So Shankly won some, and Fagan won some, but most of them. I think I think Paisley won four. Yeah. So so Paisley won that plus league titles plus presumably a few other domestic cups mm. along the way. I think that if you factor in the European ones, but he's never talked about like no. Shankly. No, exactly. And not like Ferguson either. The, the received or wisdom Clough. seems to be that Paisley just took what Shankly had done and then took it to the, you know, carried it on, but really they hadn't it's won not, all that much. Also, it's just not as simple as that. How many times have we seen <clears throat> managers, and maybe it was because of Paisley's success, because we still see clubs do it now, although not as much. But, you know, until recent years, it was quite common. If a successful manager and decided to leave or retire or whatever, they would ve- a lot of clubs would invariably promote his assistant. Yeah. And that, for a long time, was considered a good thing to do. But we saw it fail again and again. I mean, I struggle to think of anyone who's done it successfully other than Bob Paisley. I'm sure there are at some, so I just can't think of them. So it must have been... Chris the... Hutchings? <laughs> yeah. Bradford. Well, of course, the, the, the Bradford situation, which was then repeated exactly that template at Wigan yeah. a few years later, yeah. uh, was a great example of it working very successfully. But other than that, they were very much the Shankly and Paisley of the noughties, weren't Definitely. they? Chris Hutchinson... I can't remember who the other guy was. Oh, it Paul was Jewell. Paul Jewell and yeah. Chris Hutchins, yeah. When you said naughty's there, I just imagined that thing where Paul Jewell had had sex on the bonnet of a car. And that was the news of the world. Ah, naughty, naughty. Very naughty, yeah. yeah. Jalapeno. Are you a member of the Iron Filing Society yet? If not, why not? Tell us what it is, Sam. You subscribe and you get extra episodes of... Top Flight Time Machine, special ones. Uh, the, the moment we are doing a deep dive into Roy Keane's first autobiography. Regular listeners will have heard our deep dive series into the second volume of that earlier in the year, last year. Now we're doing the first one. It's great. We release them every week. You can only get these exclusively if you subscribe via Patreon. Yeah, it's patreon.com slash Top Flight Time Machine. It's £3 plus VAT per month you'll also get the kevin keegan deep dive episodes that we do one week in advance of the general public the great unwashed who do not pay and do not contribute they contribute nothing they are leeches they are scum do not be like them also every episode is advert free and the good thing is once you've done it it gives you a real sense of empowerment and superiority so you can walk around the streets looking at other fuckers with their headphones in probably listening to the free versions of Top Flight Time Machine and you can think to yourself you fucking peasants so that's the Iron Filing Society scum and it's £3 plus VAT per month patreon.com slash Top Flight Time Machine more information at our Twitter which is at TF Time Machine get involved jalapeño Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Jalapeño. He says um, it wasn't Shanks for the most part who would tell a player if he wasn't in the team. It was Bob. That made the players a bit You're suspicious of him. You're not in the him. team. And let's not forget as well, it was Bob who broke the news of Keegan's death. Keegan Senior's death to Kevin Keegan, wasn't it? Oh, God, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Your dad's dead. Yeah. <laughs> now get back out there. <laughs> yes, Mr. Paisley? <laughs> What's well, got two arms, two legs and no dad? You double care, you. <laughs> oh, heck. <laughs> what does he mean? He's speaking in riddles. <laughs> Um, but he says Bob definitely didn't have Shanks's communication skills. He seems to be quite down on him, actually, in this. Mm. And his biggest problem, certainly in the early days, was that everything he did was always going to be compared to his, his predecessor. Um, Bob was a very different person. I'll never forget the day he gathered us all together at Melwood for our first meeting of the new era. Uh, these meetings can be crucial for a new manager. And when Bob turned up, he didn't even stand in the middle of the room. He had his back against the wall, and his first words were... E, I didn't want the job anywhere. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Bob. He could have pretended the opposite was true, but it was never his style to play at the gallery. Bob was always to the point and no messing. He was born in Hettenley Hall, where my father was raised in the northeast. Hettenley Hall. And they were very similar in that respect, except my dad was dead, and Bob had told me all about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mr. Percy, I think we could get on. We've got a lot in common. For instance, my dad was born and raised in Hidley Hall, just like you. Oh, aye. I tell you what me and your dad don't have in common, though. One of us is alive and the other one's as dead as a fucking doorpost. <laughs> Guess which is which. <laughs> All right. All right, Mr. Pace. Right. I was only trying to make conversation. <laughs> oh, I was trying to pass the time of day. Yeah, he's such a hard taskmaster. <laughs> <laughs> Bob had all sorts of strange sayings, such as warning us to keep an eye on Tony Curry of Sheffield United because he can flick a far-flung one, meaning he could hit a decent long ball. <laughs> when we played Newcastle, they had a winger called Stuart Barraclough, and Bob would say, watch that fellow wheelbarrow, he's fast. <laughs> <laughs> he used to tell us in his County Durham accent that something was a pound to a pinch of shit. <laughs> Excellent. In modern parlance, that it was a no-brainer. Write <laughs> <laughs> that down, double K. No-brainer. A pound to a... So you go, it's a pound to a piece of shit. A pound to a piece of shit. No, so, a pound to a pinch of shit. So sorry. if something's really obvious... Yeah. Go, come on, Andy, it's a pound to a pinch of shit, that. Yeah, I'm going to start using I'm gonna that I'm going to start using more. that. Yeah. I'm going to write that on my hand, in I'll fact. say that to my son after yeah. I tell him I'm going to die. Yeah. One day. <laughs> <laughs> son, I'm home. Hi, Dad. <laughs> Hi, Dad. How was London and doing the podcast? Never mind about all that. Well, actually, mind your own fucking business. That's Daddy's business, right? <laughs> anyway, let's get down to brass tacks. There's something I've been thinking about on my adventures in London that you need to know. One day, and it could be a long time from now, or it could be tomorrow. It could even be later today. I am going to die. It's a pound to a pinch of shit, mate. <laughs> oh! <laughs> 
don't die. Oh, you're talking, talking about. about dying again. <laughs> there. We've cleared the air. Now, what's on telly? <laughs> this is it. Bob's first team talk before a game against Luton was infamous among the lads because of his inability to conjure up the names of the opposition players. Tommy Smith was told to look out for Watcher McCauley on the wing and Brian Hobbs under instructions to keep an eye on Thingy Bob. When the players asked Bob who he meant, he started clicking his fingers, trying to jog his memory and eventually gave up. Ah, bollocks, he exclaimed. <laughs> Just go out and beat them. <laughs> then he casually made his way out, humming a little song. It was this one. Come on, you reds. And then he touched the This Is Adfield side and we went out and won 5-0. I love it, all of these old school managers. Cluffy, yeah. Shankly, Paisley, like no one will ever say. Yeah, well, what they did was they studied the opposition thoroughly, yeah. and they would coach us in set pieces, and they would bring in a sports psychologist. Yeah. All of them, it would just be like all the stuff Frank Lampard's deploying now at Derby. Yeah, it would just be something. It's always something like. Well, he wouldn't be around all week. Then suddenly, on a Friday, he would emerge <laughs> out of bushes. nowhere and he'd make us all play Shove Hatney <laughs> for two hours. Then he'd read us a story and uh, and, and then, then he'd just say, go out there and do your best, lads. And we won six consecutive league titles like that. He'd turn up with his dog and the dog would take a shit by the side of the pitch. One of us had to go and pick it up, and the first one to get there and do it became the captain for Saturday's match. <laughs> and then it was so weird that whoever was the one who picked up the shit would always, without fail, score a goal that Saturday. We had a 19 match and beat and run. <laughs> it is weird, though. They are all like that. No one ever reveals anything beyond like some weird. They're always really remote. They're never yeah. around, but when they are around, they do something fucking weird. Well, when Roy Keane got sacked from Sunderland, I know this isn't the Keane Odyssey. But um, he was criticised by Ella Short, who was the owner, the American billionaire, yeah. uh, because Roy wouldn't turn up till a Thursday. Yeah. He was doing that clough thing. He was observing from... Sometimes he'd be sitting in a tree watching yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. And... But he wasn't always around at every training session. Each sometimes he'd, be, he'd have cameras. He'd, he'd be spy his, cameras. His student flat, his student digs in Durham. Yeah. But, I was watching fucking blockbusters. <laughs> it's an amazing show, Mister Short. Do you have that in America? <laughs> well, there's your problem then. If you knew how good it was, you'd know why I couldn't make it down to the ground till Thursday, and that means I missed the Thursday. But I taped that and I watched it on the Saturday straight after the game. You see? I'll have a see, please, Ellis. See for cod. <laughs> So um, he talks about 1976-77. Um, we Liverpool defended the first division title and won the European Cup against Borussia Mönchengladbach at the Stadio Olimpico in Rome. The only disappointment was a poor performance against Manchester United in the FA Cup final, which denied us an unprecedented triple. Um, and then he, he does pay some tribute to Bob, Bob Paisley. He says, in total I won nine trophies at Liverpool if we include two charity shields and six were with Bob. And but Paisley took over what seventy four thing seventy five right and Keegan went to Ameri uh, America America Keegan went to Germany in seventy seven I think okay um so he'd won six trophies with Bob Paisley in that short just period a couple of, time. of years yeah I might not have been able to relate to him as I did with Shanks but that was because the man who signed me from Scunthorpe was a complete one off Bob had a different way but he helped the team skill even greater heights and continued winning trophies including two more European cups after I'd left. Um, this is interesting. 
So again, he's talking about after Shankly leaves. I was in a dark mood, and it probably wasn't a coincidence. I reacted so aggressively when we played a pre-season friendly in Kaiserslautern, and one of the German players scythed down Ray Kennedy with oh, an awful tackle. Scythed him. Scythed. Mm. Put that down, KK. Scythed. <laughs> Several of us went for the perpetrator, but I got there first. The referee sent me off for violent conduct, but I was let off when we came back to England because Liverpool cooked up a story that it was a case of mistaken identity. Cooked up. Someone took his points for him. Fucking you go hell. to prison for that, <laughs> can't you? Remember that MP's wife that went yeah. to prison for taking his points? And, that, and it, the MP went to prison. Yeah, so they recently, both went to yeah. Prison, didn't yeah. they? Uh, Peter Cormack, one of my closest friends at Anfield, came up with the idea. So he took a bullet for KK. Right. He says, um, Peter was not much taller than me. He had a similar build and the same hairstyle. And trying to spare me a ban, he suggested Liverpool pretend the referee had mixed us up. <laughs> uh, and besides, I would have been proud of that punch, Kev, he said, <laughs> smiling mischievously. <laughs> I'd love to have that punch on my CV. <laughs> he's not, you know, for, for a sort of Mr. Nice Guy character, he's not scared of a um, physical confrontation, No, is he's he? not. There's a lot not of stories all. of it. I think it's because he's small. He's small but peculiarly muscular. Yeah. And like he does chord. and he, and he yeah, he's a chode of a man and he doesn't like being bullied, which yeah. I suppose no one does. Hey, don't try and bully me. It's small man syndrome again, isn't like it? Those, We've had um, that with Roy Keane. Yeah, but it comes out in a less obviously aggressive way. It's yeah. just like it'll be nice to you, but if you try and push him around, like those hitchhikers he talks about in another part of the book that the put their feet up on his Hey, hey, hey. That's enough. Don't put your feet up on the dashboard. That's where I keep my chewing gums. My Wrigley's double mints. <laughs> <laughs> I like a chewing gum on a long journey. Focuses my mind. I used to have juicy fruit, but that taste goes away very quickly. <laughs> it cost me a fortune, it was. After the initial thrill. Yeah. It's just a one long disappointment. Oh, and it is a thrill as well, isn't it? It's an assault on the senses. <laughs> but in a good way. Anyway, as I say, get your fucking feet down or I'll punch your head in. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, the, he gets sent off and Peter Cormack takes his points for him, takes his ban. And then, fortunately, there was no escaping what happened four days later when we played in the Charity Shield. And this is when he had that punch-up with Billy Bremner on oh, the pitch. Legendary. The Charity Shield. Legendary staff. Uh, he says, to describe it as embarrassing will be an understatement. And it resulted in the pair of us being charged with bringing the game into disrepute and being banned for 11 games. Whoa. Shit. For a bit of a punch-up. It wasn't games. good. They were trading blows. It was though, amazing. It was really. I good. mean, even by uh, in over the years, some of the fights in what would you say, like Bowyer Dyer. I remember United and Arsenal in like the late eighties or early ninety yeah. seven. A great all in brawl that was quite famous. But and then of course there's Cantona's kick, which I suppose you can justify being part of a, the pantheon of great footballer fights. But the Keegan Bremner one, which was long before my time watching football. It, it's it's fucking. I would say it's the best because yeah. they literally are swinging each other, and then that way they march off the pitch, taking their shirts off. Yeah. I suppose in those more innocent times, they had to throw the book at them because it was in a big showpiece game, the Charity Shield, the season opener, yeah. and it made it was such a spectacle their fight that what mess, what messages it send to kids? Exactly. Not a good one. What, what I mean, what tends to happen now is if a fight starts, every other player rushes in and it becomes a melee. Yeah. Whereas with this one, they were just left alone and allowed to trade they blows with each back. other. Yeah. yeah. Wow, look at them. Two little fellas going at it. That, but like, the other player's just like, hey, leave them be. Yeah. Let them sort this out. One of them's going to live. One of them's going to die. Let's <laughs> see who it's going to be. That's like when I f- had a fight at school 
and and uh, and the, and I was hoping it would get brought. It was during a football match, and uh, yeah, it was a tackle. And then we start fighting me and this other kid. And I'm thinking, it'll be fine. People will break us up. <laughs> and and people start... No, they start to break us up. But right. then the hardest kid in the year <laughs> suddenly emerged. And he wanted like a Roman emperor, yeah. a belligerent Roman emperor. He wanted blood. He wanted to see us fight. <laughs> so he shouted at everyone yeah. who was trying to break it up. Oi! He just emerged from everyone who went... Let them fight. Let them fight. And everyone backed away on his word. And then we were both in. I could see in both of his eyes as well as mine. Fuck. We were hoping it wouldn't come to this. Yeah. But we had to fight for the entertainment of the hardest kid in the year. And that was his right as yeah. the hardest kid in the year. That's one of the privileges you have. Exactly. Who won the fight, incidentally? I won it. The other kid was a lot smaller than me, though. So I won't okay. take much credit for it. I mean, he was the same age. But What, what provoked had... the fight? It was a tackle in the game. Right. And then some pushing and shoving, this and that. Mm-hmm. And then because he was small, I... have got a chance here. Yeah, well, yeah. That, that, obviously. But I actually provoked him by calling him... I called him a shrimp. <laughs> Rubbish insult for a small person. Fucking I went, fuck off, you fucking shrimp. I learned that day, something that everyone knows, is do not be fucking winding up a smaller man about no. his height no. with a fucking crass insult like that because there is a high chance they will fucking see red. Yeah. And go for you. And go for me, did. But my superior reach won the day. <laughs> kept your belts. I kept my belts. You're not taking my belts off me today. <laughs> you little shrimp. <laughs> shrimp boy. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you see my reach is too good for you? <laughs> so Keegan says nobody had ever been suspended for that length of time for throwing a punch on a football pitch. But it might have been even worse. Given that one Harrow resident applied to the local magistrate's court for a summons to be taken out for behaviour in a public place likely to cause a breach of peace. Some fucking busybody stuck his beak in and tried to get them a hold up before the beak. Mm-hmm. Um, the magistrates turned down the application. For fuck's sake, Harrow. Probably someone from the Harrow Public School. It'll be the headmaster. Fucking hell. I mean, that just sums up this country. We there's always find some out who busy, this bloke was. There's always some fucking busybody, isn't there? Sticking their nose in where it's not wanted, grassing people, trying to doing a Frank Lampard. That's not allowed, you know. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. that in a public place. I've actually had a look at the laws and you've broken three or four of them. <laughs> he says, uh <laughs> I doubt it helped my cause at the Disciplinary Commission that Tommy Smith, of all people, was called to give evidence oh, on my God. behalf. Tommy was so notorious in those days, it was like asking one of the great train robbers to pass judgment on a case of petty shoplifting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw it. Yeah. Yeah, Kev punched the cunt. Punched him real good. He was asking for it, I'm though, fucking, I tell you that much. I'm very fucking proud of him. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy set the tone by asking how one member of the commission qualified for the role oh, when he was God. on holiday at the time of the match. Hey, yo, joy boy. I heard you were in Menorca when this all kicked off. The fuck are you doing sitting on this so-called committee? You've got some fucking fronts out there, fucking sunburn. Like Jack the fucking biscuit. Your fucking sombrero on. <laughs> Cheeky cunt. Uh, sitting there with your fucking sangria on the go. you got no place here. When Tommy was told he was not supposed to be asking questions, the Iron Man of Anfield burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> he must have, yeah. yeah. 
I've got your fucking number, pal. <laughs> he has to be pissed. Everything points towards Tommy Smith being pissed. He's turned up. He's had a go at one of the fucking committee members, and then when they've accused, then they've shit back of it. He's just fucking laughed. He's had fucking five or six beers before going in. He probably wasn't even invited. He's just turned up because he knew it was on. <laughs> Fuck this. See you later, dickheads. <laughs> This is the most boring fucking thing I've been to in weeks. Good luck with your fucking commission. <laughs> he started laughing. That was the point when Matt Busby, another member of the commission, stepped in to say, that'll be all, Tommy. Thanks for coming. Uh, fuck off, yeah, you Busby. Can fuck off at all. You <laughs> fuck, you little cunt. <laughs> well, I think that worked out well. <laughs> Whoever made the decision to call Tommy Smith as a witness, well done. Give yourself a fucking big pat on the back. 11 matches, send them down. <laughs> You're all fucking cunts. He's got, he's got up and with a flourish performed a spin and swear yeah. before skipping out of the room laughing his head off. TTFN, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the end of this episode of the Kagan Odyssey. Um, we've progressed a little bit. We're still not in Germany, but you know, it's Hopefully a long we'll story. We'll get to Germany next time. We'll try our best. Be Thanks a huge for listening, amount everyone. Of German chat in then it'll be great. Yeah, we'll do German accents and everything. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> bye bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 